Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car. I With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to the final episode of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions for this season. And of course, we couldn't do it without the serial killer whisperer, criminologist and best-selling true crime author, Amanda Howard. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Robert. I'm liking the new scruffy look. I thought I'd do something different, grow a little bit of a a beard, (laughs) but I've tried to clean it up a bit. Uh, Yeah, going for something a little bit different. That sounds good. I might try that next season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to that. Uh, Amanda, we're going out on a really interesting one. Uh, Fidel Lopez is the guy that we started in the last episode. Where we're picking up, we are going to see a confession, aren't we? Well, yes, we are, but it's not going to be as clear-cut as, as I know that you would love it to be because we have a couple of twists and turns still to come first, but it's going to be amazing. Okay, I look forward to seeing and hearing that. In the meantime, let's get into this week's news. Because police in Seminole, Florida, believe they have caught a wannabe serial killer. Elijah McRae, 20, is facing numerous charges, including first-degree murder and attempted first-degree murder over two random shootings. Here's Sheriff Bob Gulteri at a media press conference explaining why he believes McRae would have killed more than one person if deputies had not caught him. And, of course, I'm very thankful that we're able to make this arrest and get this guy off the street before there were more victims. And as soon as we talked about this this morning and we saw what happened, we're starting to put it together. And I can tell you, it just put a knot in my stomach because I saw what was unfolding here and the pathway that this was on. And the pathway that it was on was terrible. This guy probably would still be out there with that gun under his pillow getting ready to to decide uh, who his next victim was going to be in the sense that he was going to go out and randomly kill somebody. So, Amanda, look, McRae is still to face court, so let's talk about whoever is behind these killings, whether it's McRae or someone else. Do you believe the person behind these random shootings would have gone on to kill more people and become a possible serial killer? Yeah, I think um, from what they know, obviously we don't know the full story yet, uh, there seems to be evidence to suggest that whoever this shooter is had um had plans for further victims so we're talking about a sort of dc sniper 
attempt um, that's going on here, and I think that this was in Florida. And so what uh, what they're seeing and what we know is two different things. But could this have been a serial killer? Yeah, more likely a spree killer rather than a serial killer. But it, right. it certainly shows that he had that the suspect had propensity to uh, kill more had he not been caught so quickly. Well, it sounds like it's a good thing he was caught, but of course he is entitled to his day in court, and we will see what happens and bring you up to date. Over to New Jersey now in the USA, and a man who used a dating app to lure and kill three women five years ago has been sentenced to 160 years in prison. NBC News has more. Convicted serial killer Khalil Wheeler-Weaver faced the emotional wrath of the families who lost their daughters to his four-month-long murder spree five years ago. This monster took my daughter. This person is a monster. That monster deserves the maximum. That monster shouldn't live to daylight again. 33-year-old Joanne Brown was one of the victims. Also killed in that year was 20-year-old Sarah Butler, as well as 19-year-old Robin West, her mother, speaking to the court. Your Honor, on behalf of the family of the late Robin F. Michelle West, <laughs> please know that hundreds of people were affected by her life and saddened due to her death. Wheeler Weaver was given a chance to speak, proclaiming his innocence. I would like to say I do feel empathy for the victims and my heart goes out to their families and friends. However, I was not, and I repeat, I was not the person who committed these crimes. But the evidence in his trial was overwhelming, including cell phone records and the testimony of a woman who was almost his fourth victim, but escaped after she was raped. I don't wear makeup anymore. I don't do my hair. I don't have friends. I don't want friends. I don't trust no one. I'm always paranoid. It was Joanne Brown's father who put an exclamation point on this wrenching moment, speaking to the judge. And I hope you find in your heart that you can give him the longest maximum sentence. And I hope that he lives for a very long time and then make him suffer every night in there like he made our girl suffer. Okay, thank you very much. I hope you suffer, boy, every night. Wheeler Weaver says he will appeal his conviction, but today, Judge Mark Ali has sentenced him to 160 years in prison, saying... You will see that with the final sentence, this defendant will never again walk among free society. Now, Amanda, an interesting side note to this is that the friends of one of the victims did their own detective work on social media to ferret out this guy. Yeah, that's true, because uh, there was a suggestion that he was using like dating apps and Facebook and things like that to, to lure his, his victims. So um, friends of one of the, the victims actually turned the tables and sent out a similar thing, hoping to um, trap him. And, and it seems to have worked, and, and the police were then involved as well. Uh, thankfully, it was only three victims. I know that's horrible, but hearing that, that been more. victim that did survive, it just, it just, yeah, it just breaks your heart to, to realise that. Um, you know, he wasn't going to stop and it was purely through um, the work of the public that he was caught and sentenced to 160 years, which is massive. Yeah, it really is. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the uh, appeal, but uh, as that reporter said, the evidence was quite strong. Okay, let's move on because 41-year-old Eric M. Smith has been granted parole after being convicted of sec second-degree murder in 1994 at the age of just 13. Smith killed four-year-old Derek Robbie with a rock in Western New York 
York, and this was his 11th attempt at parole. The Department of Corrections and Community Supervision said his release could be as early as November 17. Children killing Amanda is always a tough topic. Do we know if he has shown remorse over the killings? No, we don't know yet. And the fact that he has uh, appealed for parole 11 times and has failed each time until this one, it sort of suggests that maybe there was more work to be done on his side. We haven't actually seen the hearings um, documents released yet, so I'm really keen to get into those to see what programs he has done and to see what he has achieved to get to this point that parole was actually granted. Now, we have to remember that he was sentenced to life, but being 14 and now 41, he's essentially served more time than some serial killers do mm. because he's been in prison for so long. So um, it's it's a tough place to go because we are talking about child victims, but we're also talking about killers that are children. And so he was so young. So there's this whole, um, you know, we all do stupid things as kids. Yes, we, we don't kill, but we do stupid things as kids that adult us are mortified with that, you know, though he, he took it to the extreme, does this mean that we have someone who... Uh, as an adult at 41 is totally a different person though like jail will definitely change him as well mm. but it's it's a very hard line to to cross and so i think we need to see what these parole um records show and they haven't been released as soon as they are i will get my hands on them like i usually do just to see <laughs> if there is something in there that we, we don't know yet yeah it, look i i actually think if, if he's been doing the right things, parole is fair enough. You make the great point that this man has served more time in jail than some serial killers, and I think that's a really good point. He went to jail at such a young age. Um, this was a very stupid thing. It's, it's just yeah. sad on so many levels. So hopefully he is a changed man for the better and hopefully he can reintegrate into society. All right, as you know, we have lots of benefits on our Patreon page, starting for as little as $5 US currency per month. That includes early access to brand new episodes. $10 includes that, plus the secret Facebook group and bonus material. $20 gets you all of that, plus a monthly video conference call with everyone on that tier and above, with Amanda and myself. $25 gets you the video feed so you can watch Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. And $50 gets you a one-on-one -on -one with Amanda each month in a video conference call. Or you can access the video feed directly by going to mwm.uscreen.io. Individual episodes are $5 or you can subscribe monthly for $15 and that will give you full access to new episodes and the back catalogue. And let me warn you, over the Christmas break, Amanda and I will be releasing a special series on Jean Benet Ramsey. And Judge Rob is back. Isn't he, Amanda? You've set it up so that you can present the evidence to me, and Judge Rob will be delivering his verdict. <laughs> I'm going to have to get you a gavel for Christmas, purely so then everyone... What, are you saying this is too small? I as well. You know, the size does count in some things that a gavel needs to be... <laughs> <laughs> it's not the size, it's what you do with it. Uh, <laughs> all right, that will be happening over Christmas and the next season of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions will be coming out shortly. All right, in a moment, our psychological profile, part two... I'm Fidel Lopez. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. Even though I didn't want to get in the car, I actually... With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. In this episode, we continue our psychological profile on Fidel Lopez. On 20 September 2015, 24-year-old Fidel Lopez called 911 from his Miami apartment asking for help for his partner, 31-year-old Maria Nemeth, who he said had been found unconscious. When police arrived, his claims quickly fell apart. A glass screen door had been smashed, there were punched holes in the wall and blood throughout the apartment. Worse, Maria's intestines were strewn through out. If you haven't watched or listened to our last episode, please make sure you go back and do so before continuing. Well, we left off with Lopez trying to minimise his involvement with his girlfriend's death, but police aren't buying it. Amanda, the pressure is about to mount on him, isn't it? It certainly is. Up, up until this point, he's been uh, asked a few questions and it, there's been a lot of, oh, I can't remember, I was too drunk, but at the same time, he wasn't drunk, she was drunk. And he's alluded to a few possible scenarios that he's claiming could have happened, but he's not quite sure. So he has confessed to the damage to the apartment and the smashed screen door and all of that, but he claims that uh, when he found his girlfriend, she was just in the, in the bathroom with trouble breathing. But... <laughs> The confession is still going to come out, but just not yet. Okay. And it's interesting. When you see those pictures we've been putting on the screen, this is a violent, violent scene. This was not someone falling unconscious and having an accident. This is a scene of pure violence with blood on the walls, holes in the walls, and that smashed uh, glass door tells you everything. So let's get to the point where most killers always get thrown by. Detective Piper is calling bullshit. It's always one of our favourite parts. I just get her uh, CPR because I was nervous. I was, you know, she cannot breathe. I called 911 right away because I really get scared, man. I, I don't, I don't look around. I don't remember anything. I know I used the bottle. Well, you, I, I know you keep saying you don't remember, but you do remember. Yeah, you kind of, kind of stuff, kind of stuff, uh, little by little, but. And it's important that you remember as much as you can and you tell us and you're honest and truthful about what happened. I'm always true. I'm always okay. true. I'm telling you everything. Everything. I accept everything I did. I accept it. And I, and I, and I and understand that you're, you're a man and you're, you're, you're accepting it. But we need to know details. We need to know exactly what happened to her, why it happened, what you were upset about. Those things are that you're, you're remembering everything, but there are certain things that you're not remembering. And I think it's because it's hurting you inside. No, man, it's, no, it's, not really. It's, it's like you're If I already tell you about the arm, uh, I can tell you everything else. Interesting, Amanda. This is usually where we see them falter, but he's remaining pretty calm here. 
Yeah, he is, but Piper's sort of slowly scratching at the surface because he's saying, you know, I think that what's happened is that um, she's called you out or something and it's embarrassing you and you don't want to talk about it. And so he offers, yeah, but I told you about that I used my hand inside her and things like that. So so what he keeps continuing to do is add more details for as much as Piper sort of forwards that he's not believing the whole story. So mm. he, he's offering it piece by piece, but he is calm and he's starting to now rise a little bit. So there's more hand movements, there's a little um, a pitch change, but nothing too serious. But it just shows that the pressure from Piper and White is now on. Yeah. Well, the next 15 minutes is spent going over the story again and again, and Lopez doesn't change his story. The officers then leave and come back after a short break, and in the interim, they've received more details from the scene. We got, we got a little bit of a problem. Okay. Yes. All right. I just got off the phone with our uh, crime scene, and the medical examiner is there, okay? The doctor. And... There's the injury to her is severe, severe injuries. Severe injuries. Severe injuries. body. Yes. Um, multiple injuries inside there. Tissue ripped out. What is that? Tissue inside. All the insides out on the floor. What else? That's the cause of the death. Yeah. We think. You know the amount of blood that's in there? They, her insides were ripped out. What happened, man? What happened? Fidel, this is not a case of just rough sex. Yeah. Okay? This is not a case of rough sex. There's blood everywhere. Everywhere. Listen, just tell us. I'm no, I'm just yes. doing whatever she was telling me to do. She wasn't telling you to do that. Oh, that's, yeah. Listen, Fidel, the amount of pain that she would have been in would have been unbearable, okay? The amount the doctor just looked inside of her and the amount of pain that she would have had, she would have been able to withstand it. I don't, I don't kill her, man. I don't. We're gonna say we're gonna say you intended to. No one's saying you intended to do it. No one's saying you you wanted to. I, I hear I hear I your remorse. Listen, I, I heard the remorse in your in your voice when when you're you're trying to get help, and I understand that you care for her, and this is someone that you love. But however, there's injuries inside of her that need to be explained. She was telling me whatever what I was doing. She told me, do this, do it, man. She was telling me. I understand, but that's, that, listen, you as a human being, you as someone that loves this girl, would not be doing that to her, even if she was asking me. This is one of the most fascinating scenes I think I've seen here during this whole um, police interrogation, Amanda. We obviously noticed the pause um, for quite a few seconds after he learnt about her insides being ripped out. He actually sounds upset. And I feel that there's a moment where he's trying to decide whether to come clean or still try and protest his innocence. And the comment from the other detective, I can hear the remorse. I think he is remorseful. But him being upset, is this for him or for her? Uh, I think we're looking at self-preservation, but this was one of the most important pieces of this entire mm. interrogation. So you can turn off after this. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> what we have is when when when. She 
he's told that she has tissue outside of her that's been torn out. He had that pause. There was a four-second pause that he had no answers for. So though he's telling this whole story, this part of it, he may have forgotten that this is how bad he went in, in this rage, but at the same time, he's now realising that they're not friends, but the police are then trying to uh, counteract that by saying, oh, we hear your remorse mm. and everything. But the most telling sign is when he puts his hands on his head. So when he does this, that is that is the moment that he is uh, realising that he's in trouble. That is a give-up sign. If you watch ah. when um, you know a sports team is playing and someone doesn't get the goal or, or something yes. or basket or something, they put their hands on their head. That is that is a sign of defeat. And he has just done that pose that he now realises he's deeper than he thought he was and that th- this is it. This is where everything changes. It's self-preservation. He has given up trying to defend himself, but at the same time he's not going to uh, give him, him himself to the lions. He knows that he still has to fight. And it's not about, oh, my God, that would have been horrible for her. I don't remember that. You know, something. But it's not. This is about, I didn't kill her. You know, mm. it's not about, oh, my God, I did these horrific things and she died from it. It's, it's just out and out. He just wants to get out of there. I, I know exactly what you mean about the hands on the head. It's the same thing I do every time I'm talking with you or my wife when I just give up because I've lost the <laughs> argument. But <laughs> 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 All right. I so wish get... Amanda was mic'd. I'd love for her to chime in and say that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking at I'm getting the evil eye at the moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, look, moving back to seriously, the officers then get more graphic with Maria's injuries. When you put your hand inside of your fist, were you, I'm not trying to be funny when I do this, I'm asking, did you, were you doing this? Yeah. Okay. When you pulled your hand out, did you have anything in your hand? I don't know, blood, I guess. Anything else? You feel anything in your hand? No, that I remember, like, you know. Squishy, just, anything? Just blood, I mean, full of blood. I mean, no, oh, come on, man. I'm asking. No one's saying you intended for yeah, this no, to happen. Of course not. Exactly, that's why we're out. We're trying, to, we're trying to figure this out. We have to explain to the doctor, and we have to explain to other people that are looking at this what happened. Okay, We have to explain how she got into this condition. Part of her insides, from inside of her body, are on the floor in the closet. We're not saying you're a killer, okay? No, I'm not. Because you're not a murderer. You're not a killer. This is not you, okay? But you have to be honest with what happened in there so that we can put the pieces together. Everything I've been telling you is everything I know. But there's some things that you're leaving out. There's some things. There's some things that you're leaving out because you're afraid. You're afraid that it's going to make you. You you think that it's going to make you look bad. So we are at the bargaining stage, Amanda. It is. So what we're doing now is that we're seeing that um, he's not being told he's a killer. They're they're trying to go for the different scenario. So rather than screaming and shouting at him, telling him that he's a horrible person, they're saying, you know, maybe something went wrong. Maybe you went further than you thought because you were drunk. And and so they're going for the gently, gently, because it's better to get, you know, a bird in the hand is, is worth two in the bush. So there's no use going for the highest charges when they can't even get him to confess to anything beyond rough sex. So they have to go through this this section and it's always about trying to offer a smaller scenario because once they've got that they can build on that. Mm. But getting that first piece of his confession is the most important part. So we go from bullshit to bargaining. Yeah. Well Piper then asks him about cleaning up the blood. 
Listen, why, why did you why did you wash your hands? Why did you wash? Because your I went outside to smoke a cigarette. Why? Yeah, but you cleaned up more than just the, the amount of blood that's in that apartment, all over the walls and on the floor. You had a lot more blood than just on your arm. You had a lot more blood than just on that right arm. No, you, you didn't taste me, man. I don't even have soap in my hand. It's just pull water and wash the hand. Where, where else was blood on your body? Uh, I don't know, just my hand. Maybe this one. But both, the, both hands? This one is the one I use. No, this one is the one I use. Your right arm? Yeah, this okay. one. But did you have blood on that on that arm? Yeah, too? if I touch myself for you. What about your legs? The legs and the floor. Well, you had that blood in your legs because there's blood all over the floor. There's blood on the floor. That's yeah. what I have. That's what I have blood on my. Yeah, but you don't have really a lot of blood on your legs. Did you go into the shower and wash off? No. Because you said you put the shower on to put water on her face because she wasn't breathing. Okay, I feel like we're the animal in the corner getting angry. Fight or flight time, isn't it? It certainly is. That's exactly what's going on. So he's now, you know, the the hand gestures he he was doing there when he was saying that it was just my right arm and and all of that. There was also like that shoulder shrug. You know, it's like yeah, it, it was the that arm. There wasn't that mm. much blood. I only washed my hands so I could smoke a cigarette. So it's all about you know this this attempt to decrease what his involvement is and that this is all an accident. But he's in a crisp white t-shirt. And he claims that he wasn't getting changed or anything mm. like that. There is no way with what was around that room that he wouldn't have had blood on him and, yeah. and he has none. And so they know that that's another part of this timeline that we don't see yet. Absolutely. Well, watch out because Piper is getting even more graphic. Listen, you see that, right? Yeah. All the way here. If you put your whole arm inside her, you were up inside her stomach. Correct. What the, what you, no, I mean, I'm just saying. You're think realistic. Yeah, if you're yeah, putting no, your whole no, arm inside her. No, you're. No, where is your no. hand at that point? It's not in her vagina anymore, right? I understand. It's up inside her stomach. Well, why is she didn't tell me to stop or something? We don't know. <clears throat> and the stuff and, and the part of her body from the, from her insides that's on the floor, it's not. It wouldn't just fall out of her. It would have to be pulled out of her. I didn't pull anything, man. Wow. Uh, this is getting full on. Uh, a couple of things. They're tag team teaming now, but his facial expressions, a lot of hand movements to the face, like he knows it's all falling apart, but the tag teaming uh, amongst that graphic content is quite interesting. It is, and uh, by doing that, knowing that he um, that he doesn't have English as a first language, also makes that a, a bit more um, accessible to them to use that by by this quick firing. It wasn't complete tag teaming yet, but they're both asking the same question in different ways to see how he will answer it. But when Piper was sort of showing his own um, elbow to hand against his own um, stomach and 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 groin, it, just to imagine that that's how far um, Lopez's hand 
hands were inside his girlfriend. It's just horrific to think. It's it's mortifying. And the fact that, you know, they're saying all of this stuff at him at the same time, that he is getting confused. He's he's got his hands back on on his head, as you said. He's he's trying to avoid being in this room now because Mm. he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to come to that realisation that they know and he is this, you know, this cornered animal who needs to fight or give up. Yeah. Well, let's see how this goes down. And Amanda, you are giving us a heads up to listen very carefully to Lopez's last words here. Just write, and maybe it'll help you jog your memory, okay? And we'll come back in a few minutes. Okay, you want some more water? No, I'll write it down outside if it's possible to wear a smoke a cigarette. Sure, absolutely. Come on. Yeah, just cigarettes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I will, you know, go to jail because something that I really do. It's really soft, but did he just say it was an accident? That's exactly what he said, and that's why you don't stop that recording when you're still with the suspect. So, literally, that was that confession. That was as clear as it gets, is that Mm. he has confessed that what had happened wasn't meant to happen, and I don't think he started that day thinking, I'm going to rip my girlfriend's insides out of her tonight. This this isn't a, you know, first-degree case, but the fact that, you know, they they said to him, yeah, you can have a cigarette, because as we just saw, he, he was getting angry he was getting agitated, mm. he was getting scared, um, he was trying to avoid it. So allowing him to go outside for a cigarette, which usually doesn't happen, um, is going to work. And they instantly, as they're walking out, they're sort of talking to him about what he's going to write. And he says, it's an accident. Like, mm. <laughs> whoops. It, I, yeah, uh, look, that's one uh, of those pieces that I had to sort of go back and play it again. Yeah. Well, good on you. You always pick up this stuff. Um, what is interesting about this, I agree with you, he, this was not... He did not intend to kill his girlfriend that night. They've had a lot of alcohol. I do think they've done a few kinky things. Um, She has obviously, and we talked last episode, she said the name of her ex-partner when they were having sex. That, with a mixture of, I think he's probably a guy with anger issues, mixed with alcohol, he's just lost it. But how you can still do everything that he did... That's not normal. Not normal at all. But look, let's continue because Piper and Lopez return to the room a few minutes later. Lopez seems subdued, but Piper asks again what happened and Lopez just mumbles. Now, White joins them and for the next 20 minutes, the detectives beg him to answer. Listen, I'd like to be able to to stand up on your behalf and say, listen... He was extremely remorseful. He had no intentions for this to happen. Okay? He didn't mean to do this. But unfortunately, this is why it happened. He had too much to drink, and they had an, he had an argument he, and between that and the drinking and everything else. X, Y, and Z, whatever it may have been. But you have to explain that so we can explain it to other people to make you inhuman. It happens. Okay? You didn't intend to kill her. Of course not. Right. So explain to us what took place that led up to it. You know you don't want to remember 
but I know you do remember. And it takes a man, a true man, to admit, okay, I fucked up, man. I made a mistake. I had no intention to kill her. I had no intention to doing it, but this is what happened. It takes a man to do that. It takes more of a man to admit what he's wrong than it takes a man to cry. Be that man. Be that person. Because that's who you are. She was telling me she she going to Peru. She was she need to go to Peru because she she was missing her mother. And you know, and I'm not gonna be able to use the car to go to work. And you know, then she start screaming at me and all that. I get pissed and start punching the shit. I really don't remember what I punched the shit. You just tell me, I know I got pissed because of that. Then, then after that, I don't know how, how we end them up in the cross or whatever. I know we made peace. But when we were doing, uh, making love, she told me something that, that really don't, it just, she, she changed my name. She called me the other fucking name of the other guy. And then she said it twice. And she was wrong. She was confusing me with him. I, I didn't want to kill her. I know I killed her. That's whatever I did with her was the reason. But she was asking me about the bottle. And she was asking me about the hand too. And maybe things go a little bit far because, you know, once she, she's confusing me with the other one and she told me to do stuff with her that I've never done before, I think that she might think that's, that's, that's the other stuff that she does with the other one before. Things go out of hands. I never, you know, never mean to kill her. I don't think you did. Um, well, before I ask my... The, the, where I want to go, I just want to acknowledge something in that clip, Amanda, and that is how the dynamics have changed in the room. Detective White, who we haven't really seen on camera for most of this, has now completely changed his opinion, uh, his position. He is right next to Lopez. He is uh, almost at that rectangular table, sitting at the head right next to Lopez. It's really fascinating when you watch the video, and another reason to go and watch this episode as a video because there's so much to um, take in with what Lopez is doing, his mannerisms, but now the power play with the police and the investigators because White has now taken control and he has really moved in after being so far back and sort of like a, an observer up until this point. He's in there, he's asking the questions and he's right up with Lopez. He's subtly putting that pressure on. But let's go back to the motives because we talked about the fact she called out her ex-husband's name. It, it turns out this was twice and now he's getting it into his head that the whole bottle kink thing was something she was probably doing with him. He has absolutely gone into a jealous rage. 
I mean, yeah, with all that that you've just said, the answer is yes. So, um, thank you. I'm here all week. The dynamics dynamics have definitely changed, and there is that pressure that White is now given. As the more senior person in this room, he's now up close and personal. So, they've done the good cop, bad cop kind of thing, and now it's time for White to come in and say, This happened, this happened, this happened, and this is what's going to go ahead. Because as we saw in, in the last couple of questions, Lopez has got his hands on his head, he's leaning back, he doesn't want to be there. So they've now made that room a quarter of the size it was by mm. sitting that close. And, mm. yeah, and they're saying, you know, we didn't, like, you didn't think that you, you were doing this. This is just something that you've sort of uh, led to through um, anger and alcohol and not that any of this is an excuse and it doesn't matter what name she called out. She could have called out Ronald McDonald. It doesn't give an excuse for him to do what he did. But the fact that this was his catalyst just shows how much anger he had pent up. And, Mm. you know, there is likely more that we will never know, but it just shows now that we are getting him to that next point of a full confession because, I mean, it doesn't get much clearer than this here, but they need him to say more about it because, you know, you don't go from some drunken alcohol or or saying your ex-husband's name to um, being... Um, destroyed like yeah. that. So there oh, is still yeah. more, but yeah, but White now setting that close is how we sort of get that pressure happening and he's he's now a powder keg, so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I really want to acknowledge because I think the way the police have handled this investigation has been pitch perfect. We've taken the piss out of a lot of investigators for their in, <laughs> ineptitude on doing some investigations. We've met some great investigators and, and interrogators but these two as a team are really up there I I think they have played this brilliantly and um, it's nice to acknowledge the good side you know when I'm always I'm always open to taking the piss out of them so (laughs) these guys are doing a great job Uh, and I I think that's worthy of acknowledgement considering the path we have been down in the past yeah, yeah, this is um, definitely on that um, Jody Arias case, oh, yeah. sort of um, uh, um, Esteban Flores as as a good interrogator. So, and, and this has gone now from an interview to an interrogation. So all of these movements that we've now seen, they took him out for a timeout for a cigarette, so then it can't be sort of that catalyst for anger. But I would have loved to have seen him being deprived of nicotine to see if he would have snapped a bit harder, but mm. he doesn't because he does get his, his smoke breaks which is very, very rare. Yeah. And look, that Jody Arias one, I think is one of my um, favourite is a weird word, but one of my yeah. favourite interrogations yeah. that we've witnessed and, and listened to on this podcast, she, uh, I think that was before the video podcast. Um, so yes. I don't know if it's still in the free feed, but if you haven't heard that, it is worth listening to because the way that is handled is once again, pitch perfect. Um, there's so many great examples of fine police work, but enough of all that let's go back out and see what else lopez has to say now i'm going to go and walk us through what happened that's what that's what happened then we went in the closer as far as i remember is you know i don't remember taking nothing in my hand out of from her Mary, I injured her, of course, I did. Did at any point she tell you it hurts, stop? Never. That's, that's one of the stuff that never. But, okay. If she was telling me that I was screaming or something, 
somebody will hear it. So she was before she passed out. No, she wasn't passed out. She was calling me the other dude's name. Where was that at? Was that in the closet? In the closet. This is where we start over there. Okay. Explain to us. Tell us what happened. We were fucking, and she was telling me the other dude's name. What name was she calling you? Uh, Norbert. Norbert. Is that her ex-husband? Yeah. Okay. So, you know. So what did you do at that point? At that point, I get mad. I get really, really mad. And I believe in the same, when she told me about the go to Peru or whatever, it's when I start breaking the stuff. The wall and the, the, the glass and everything. And then the other point is when she, she was confusing me with him, you know, calling me him, his name, and asking me to do stuff with her that I never done before with her. You know, it makes me feel bad, very bad. I mean, like... Like you feel like he was, like you were not adequate enough? Like you couldn't satisfy her? Uh, I'm asking you. No, that I'm always satisfied. Her. <coughs> she, was, she was okay with me, but... I don't know just what happened with her. She, she gets so drunk, and I don't know why she was confusing me and telling me Robert besides Fidel. Yeah, the hands up on his head again. There's no doubt he's remorseful. He sounds remorseful. Everything he's doing and, and saying, there's absolute, absolutely remorse there. Yeah, 100%. He is saying, you know, I don't know that I did that, but I know that I was angry. I know that what she was saying was hurtful to me. The fact that she was also going to move um, and live back in Peru, that was mm. a, like an extra part of, of this argument that was happening. So now all this stuff that he had been saying up until now that he'd forgotten, he's now confessing. So yeah. this is our confession and it needs to continue because there is so much more to come. So the two officers also need to uh, keep him calm but coherent so they, they can't now throw things at him mm. um, to to spark anger. They just need to see, because it's coming now, they just need to let him talk but they need to make sure they get every specific section of it right. So, yeah. So yeah, they don't want to go in confession. combative <laughs> mode with him. Yeah. That's true, uh, yeah. Um, look, and we talk about the remorse but of course we all agree that there is no excuse for the violence that's been shown here uh, and the death of a young woman or any woman let alone a young woman but my point being that nothing excuses what he did the difference is it no. wasn't planned but it has sparked something in him which is dangerous and it, he cannot be allowed to stay out on the streets and I'll be interested to see what happened at the end but in the meantime Fidel continues the narrative but I never moved to kill her man I really don't. I, I believe you. You know, I believe you. I forgive her everything, whatever she told me, whatever she, you know. What did you What did you put inside of her besides the bottle and your fist? I don't remember to put nothing. That thing with the hair. You put the, You put that in there. Yeah. You did. Yeah, I did. Okay. What else? I don't remember to put nothing else, man. Like, like, like I'm telling you. Like, the thing that you put uh, for for the hair. Do you remember what it looks like? I think it's well, it's the only one she have. I think it's a red one or with, with, the, with the black things all around. Mm -hmm. Red or pink, I really don't, don't remember. 
when you put it, when you put it inside of it, was it plugged into the wall? No, of course not. I'm asking. I don't know. Of course not. Like I said, I, I didn't. I, I didn't do anything. Well, show me. Show us what you were doing when you were putting it. When you put it inside of it. We're just doing like this. Doing like this. <coughs> we die with my hands too. I'm sorry. With the bottom, with that, and yeah, with everything, just like this. Man, I, I so she was at her life, man. But listen, in the closet, you're doing that. You're putting the thing inside of her. She goes unconscious. No, man, she's, she's, she's bleeding a lot of blood. I know she was bleeding. I know she was bleeding. But she, she, she was. She, to be honest, she didn't walk to the bathroom. But she was like, okay. you know. But I know she didn't walk to the bathroom, like you uh, said. She didn't walk to the bathroom, but she was like, you know, like, like she's a, crawling. A, exactly. But she wasn't crying or nothing. And she was just, she was like, she couldn't stand up. I mean, well, she couldn't stand up because, because of the injuries. Plus, a little, probably a little bit of alcohol, a combination of. A little bit, no, a lot of alcohol. So, the part about her saying, "I gotta throw up," that's not true. No, that is true. That is true. She went into the bathroom like that. <coughs> and she told me about the phone going off. Get out of the bathroom. She was talking, she was conscious. Okay. And then I went to smoke a cigarette and I go back. I see her like, like this, you want to call 911. I really, the screams and all that, I, I know I have to, you have to be me. But, but I call 911 when when I saw her that she was like, like this. But that, the whole incident inside the closet when she's calling you by a different name and they get you very upset, you're breaking things. That, that occurs for over a period of quite a while. Oh, yes. That's over a, quite a while, a long period of time, correct? Uh, yeah. Yes, like how long, like an hour? An hour and a half? Really, really don't, don't man. I mean, it wasn't like a two minute thing, it was... From, from when, when I start breaking stuff, uh, when, when I finish breaking stuff or whatever, from that time until I call 911. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Were you upset because of not only her calling you a name and or doing what you did, you started breaking stuff because you're just frustrated, upset, angry. Yeah, but I didn't. I never. I never hit her. I never. I know you're breaking. You're in the walls and stuff like that. She's in the closet at that time. I, I don't. She, maybe she was. Okay. She's in the closet. So she's in the closet. And you left her there to go, and you were breaking stuff? I'm asking. I don't know how. Okay, I don't, so I really don't remember when I break the stuff. I find it fascinating where he draws the line. When they talk about the electrical de device um, being put into a vagina, was it plugged in? Oh, of course not. You know, like, how could you even think a thing of me like that? Um, and also the idea that he left her bleeding and dying in the closet for more than an hour while he smashed up the place um, but takes offence at little details where he absolutely wouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah, he said no, definitely that the the straightener was not turned on, and um, also the fact that he he said that he would never hit someone. 
So, um, you know, but disemboweling her is okay, but hitting her wasn't on the cards. It just is mind-blowing how these people have a distorted moral compass. So, you know, I, I will pull out her insides, but I'm not going to lay a hand on her. You know, it's, it's, it's just so perplexing. But what we're also seeing is how defeated he is. He's dropped his shoulders, his hands are in his lap. He's not making many gestures at all. He's barely looking at each of them. He's mumbling his words. Mm. He's done. So he, he is now to the point because it's come out. Those endorphins are now sort of, um, ebbing and so he's now becoming exhausted and tired from what has happened and he's probably got a wicked hangover too just to mm. add to that but yeah it's yeah we've gone from the anger and the and and the hand movements and the hands on the head to just this sort of like slumped person now so mm. It's it's an interesting case, this one, that's for sure. It really is, uh, and the whole way it has evolved. But then in this next clip, we get to the point where the entire story is done. Did you go back in the closet after breaking the stuff and and, and, and put things inside of her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the things inside of her, she was she was telling me, all right? She was she was telling me to do that shit, and I knew. She first she called me the names. Then when I came in and started breaking the stuff. Then when I go back, she told me to do the stuff. Then I get mad again. You know? Because... You took it a little uh, maybe too much? Too, yeah, too man. extreme? Yeah, man. I was strong, very, very strong. I know you're frustrated. You're drunk, you're frustrated, you're upset. I didn't mean you're to angry. kill her, man. I, know. I really yeah, you don't mean it. to kill her, we man. Understand we understand that. We understand that. Man. We understand that. But she pissed you off because she called you another man's name. I can tell you right now, if I'm having sex with my wife and she calls out another man's name, I'm going to get pissed off. Okay? It's human nature, dude. Don't, don't, don't. It, this, this is not human, man. I just took her life. I don't mean to, but I did. That's because you got enraged. Because I was wrong. If I was sober, maybe I understand. Maybe I just left the apartment. But I was wrong. You're, you're not a bad person, bro. You're a better person for talking about it. Absolutely. There's a real acceptance there. You know, cops often say it a lot. We don't think you're a bad person. Do killers actually care? Yes and no, because what it does is that it tells them that they're not going to reach across to the table and thump them, which I think is more, it's about them not showing hatred. So saying you're not a bad person, they're not justifying the crime, though. They're actually sort of saying words like that. But what they're doing is just saying shit happens and this is what's happened to you. This isn't, um, you know, you're not a serial killer who's who's mm. eating children or something like that. This is just an, an event that was revolting and horrifying but was a something that, as he said, if I wasn't drunk, I might have just stormed out of the apartment. And mm. so this sort of shows that this is the dynamics that was happening. He's obviously an angry drunk. She has said a couple of things which he didn't like rather than having a big fight and getting over it like, like most people would normally do. A verbal fight. The alcohol has just added to this. Yeah, absolutely. But this has, has gone to that point. 
and it's gone beyond. This is why this is such a notorious case because people know of it because of where his anger took him. This is mm. like one of the extremes. But at the same time, you know, he's sitting there in silence and they let him sit in silence. They let him um, have that deafening sound of his own thoughts. And that was a really interesting tactic too before he says, we don't think you're a bad person. It, uh, it's just, it's a beautiful uh, choreography, that's all I can say. Yeah, and I think Lopez does care in this case. A serial killer might not, but Lopez doesn't want to think of himself as a bad person. And even that acceptance in that clip where he said, yeah, but I killed her. You know, like, I yeah. never thought I was a bad person, but I've just killed someone I loved or certainly was in a relationship with. Um, look, Piper then asks if Lopez is sorry, but then asks an even more important question. You sorry for what you did? Huh? Are you sorry for what you did? I'm sorry? Yeah. Of course, man. What do you think? What do you think? If I could go back, it's time, man. I prefer to die, man. I prefer to die first. Why were you not telling us the truth at the beginning? Oh, screw it, man. I'm never going to see her again. I'm never going to see my kids. Man. something we don't often hear is it the reason for lying i think it just confirms what we expected but to hear it it's so different it is and it's amazing but it shows that this is what self-preservation does so mm. the reason he lied is because he was scared of of the consequences of what he, he's done but we never see that question being asked and the fact that piper brings it up you know are you sorry yeah of course he's sorry and he already knew that but to ask this as well you know well why didn't you tell us the truth yeah you know th this is something that they can learn from as well this is this is an opportunity to see why they do it and, and how to maneuver them away from those lies into a place of safety where they can confess so this should be you know something that is shown to people like mm. uh, Todd Colhep's detectives um, to show them how to do a proper interrogation that comes to the conclusion of a confession yeah well the conversation continues and then Lopez asks a question that we rarely hear in an interview it's something that bothers me right now man. I really want to ask you because I know I'm going to jail but like, how many times do you think it's going to be this? What do you want to ask her? No, to who? What did you say? You want to ask her something? No, to you. Oh. Like, I know I'm going to jail. Mm -hmm. I have two kids and, you know, and everything. How many years do you think this is going to cost me? I don't know. I can't tell you that. I, I have no idea. What I can tell you is that if you're honest and you're, you you are truthful about everything that happened that night, that it will it is going to help you, okay? Because you're going to make make yourself out to be a better person than what is portrayed in that scene. 
Well, Fidel Lopez was charged with first-degree murder and went to trial in July 2017, where he escaped the death penalty by pleading guilty to Maria's murder. Lopez received a life sentence for the gruesome murder. Amanda, this was certainly a fascinating one to end on for the season, but fear not, we will be back before you know it. We're only taking uh, a couple or a few weeks off, aren't we, Amanda, while you do some university assignments? <laughs> yes, I've got three weeks to go of uni, so I've got a lot of work to do in the next three weeks. So um, it's best that I'm not trying to juggle uh, true crime stuff as well as crime theory stuff at the same time. So <laughs> we will be back, and we are doing Chris Watts, so I'm happy to share mm. that news. So it's going to be a little season just on him because uh, the bo- body cams that we have are just so amazing to see. And like this one that we've just done, the body language of the Chris Watts case is going going to be um, something that you'll want to watch rather than just listen to. I can say that. Oh, that's good to know. And we are also working on a bonus series with Judge Rob of John Benet Ramsey, as I've said before, and we're going to be bringing that to you over Christmas. So we're trying to make sure we give people on the Patreon and new screen feeds something a little extra to make as our way of saying thank you for your ongoing support. Yes, there's nothing like a good couple of killings for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know the people listening and watching Monsters Who Murder love that. Yep. So, uh, for the in the meantime, I'm Rob McKnight and Amanda Howard has joined me as always. Thank you for your support and we'll see you soon on Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 